0: Welcome to Changeable. This is episode number 265, Freedom from OCD with Samantha Miller. You're tuned in to Changeable with Dr.
1: Amy Johnson. Changeable podcast is all about breaking habits, ending
0: anxiety, and the ironic way change really works. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey there, welcome back to Changeable. In today's episode, I'm talking with Change Coach Samantha Miller about her experience with OCD. So as you'll hear, Samantha started having kind of OCD-related things, I guess, um, at a very early age. And it kind of went on throughout her childhood and um, into college and adulthood, and I really love this conversation. It's a super simple conversation. Samantha really just tells her story. I mean, she just tells how it was, what she made of it along the way, what she made of the thoughts she was having, the feelings she was having along the way, um, what people around her made of it, especially as she was young, and the different things that just occurred to her to do and try. And it's a really rich conversation because it takes us through several decades of Samantha's life. And although we're talking about OCD and how it felt and what she understood and didn't and what she did and the insights she had along the way, it's not really about OCD, I mean, it doesn't matter at all how anything shows up for us, really. In her case, it was obsessive thoughts, primarily. But but you're going to relate to this so much, no matter what it is. It's like we just have some insecurity and that goes through life and it looks different ways in different times and we have different insights about it. Or maybe you have something diagnosed, you know, anxiety, depression, whatever, but you're going to hear so much in just the unfolding of that and how Samantha shares her story because it really is all so universal. I love how many of the insights she had years before she came around this understanding at all um, really were pointing to this. And, And me too, I think of that with myself, like, God, there were so many things years and years and years ago that I heard that just landed, but I had no context for them. And that's what she shares. It doesn't mean they're not helpful. They are helpful. But it's only later when we start to have a bigger context and kind of see things in a bigger picture that things really start to click together. And so you'll hear a lot of that in Samantha's story. Um, And I just, I think it's really great. Really, really great to listen to on many levels. If you are struggling with anxiety or OCD, Samantha has an amazing course that she's put together. I've been able to see parts of it. I've kind of helped her a little bit along the way. Um, And it's really, really good. So if this conversation resonates with you, I highly recommend checking out her course. It's videos that she's created and she's also personally supporting people through it. And I know it begins in um, in early September, 2023, but if you're listening to this another time, reach out to her. I'll put all the links in the show notes. You can go to her website. You can reach out to her and see when she's leading it again because um, I think it's absolutely worth checking out if, if you're struggling with this at all. And I have a feeling you'll know that after you listen to Samantha talk about her story. So, enjoy this conversation with Samantha Miller. Hey, Samantha! Thank you so much for coming on Changeable.
1: Hi, Amy. Thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here.
0: Yeah, I'm. um, I'm looking forward to talking about OCD and your experience with it, and and other people's experience with it. I think it's um, it's definitely a thing that. I hear a lot about like you know it, it's and it's one of those things that's cor- of course there's a a label and a diagnosis and a, all the things but it's like people just use it as kind of slang too like oh here's my <laughs> OCD coming out you know and and some right. of that is just so telling about like what we share and how we see thought and all of that kind of stuff so I think it's right. a really juicy topic so um yeah I'm excited right. to talk about it. Good me too. So um, yeah, so maybe let's start off with just you saying a little bit about your experience with it personally, Um, kind of how it, when it showed up for you, how it showed up and sort of how that was. Okay, get comfortable.
1: Uh, (laughs) Well, I would, you know, when I think back, it's so interesting now since working with you and just kind of the changes I've been through to reflect back on my life and look at different things that happened and different experiences i had and and how i see them a little differently but as far back as i can remember early on i was i was always a really fearful child i was afraid of a lot of things and you know certain guests we'd have over for dinner or we had you know somebody who would like plow the the field near us and i was really afraid of the tractor and so there was like a lot of things i was afraid of and this was always pointed out by you know my my family later on, of you know how how what a kind of scared kid I was, and so I have early memories of of being scared of a lot of stuff, and for some reason, that just feels important to me that that I had these early memories and as I got older, I noticed I started to kind of like elementary school age, I was getting these these ticks and rituals, things like. Um, I had to be the last person in the family to say goodnight. So I had four, three sisters, not four. And it was always, I had to be the last one to say goodnight. Like that was a thing. It became a thing. And I would touch things. I would have to touch walls or I'd have to touch mirrors or touch things a certain way. There was no real rhyme or reason to it. I just felt this impulse to do it. Um, another one I had was, I developed this blinking this very hard blinking habit of blinking my eyes really hard. And again, nobody knew what was going on. I didn't know what was going on. It was just these things I was doing. And again, my family would kind of we t- we kind of pointed out or they would kind of like make a little fun of it as you know siblings do, but there was really no n- nothing tied to it. And one other one that stood out was I I developed this habit of looking up at the sun, like stealing glances of the sun. For some reason, that was something I did. And that doesn't seem like a normal thing a kid would do. And my dad was so worried that I was going to burn my eyeballs that he bought me these special sunglasses that I would wear. You know, I look back, I'm like, oh, that, that sounds crazy. So anyway, these were some things that were happening on their own, seemingly. And... But also I had other things that were popping up, like this, these fears of things. I was, um, I, I remember watching this movie when I was really young, maybe eight, well, maybe younger than that, maybe six. And it was this old movie from the 1950s called The Blob. And it was a black and white movie about this big jelly monster that, you know, eats people and takes over buildings. And, and that was terrifying to me. And I, I couldn't get it out of my head. I thought the blob was living outside my bedroom. So at night, I'd have to check every night. It was a real thing, it, you know, and that, that was the first sort of, um, like visual thing that stuck in my head that I remember. And then as I went on, there were other things that I was afraid of books or movies or things like that. And, and then in grammar school, I, I remember a friend. Um, talking about drugs, you know, and it was the first time i had heard this word drugs and I didn't know what drugs were. I was like in fourth grade or something and, and asking about it and then learning a little bit about it, how it makes you high or makes you feel different or whatever makes you feel this. It became, it became another scary thing for me. And that was a word that stuck in my head, this word drugs. And suddenly it was on like repeat on my head, like drugs, drugs. Like it just became this mantra I had in my head, drugs, drugs, drugs. And again, I was like, what's happening? Why am I like, why am I, what's going on with me? Why am I saying these things? Like nothing, it didn't make sense. You know, I'm, I'm a little girl. Like, why am I saying the word drugs? So, but, but clearly there were things I was afraid of, you know, there was a fearful thing. And As I and then that, and then I remember talking to my dad one time about it, you know, like waking up late at night and going in to see him and saying, you know, I'm kind of afraid of this thing I have. I don't even remember what I said, but just kind of like bring it up and not really knowing what to say. And Kim just kind of saying it'll be okay, and, you know, being fatherly and and eventually that went away, that moved on. Other thoughts would kind of come, but they'd eventually move on. And when I got through high school, i i I was always I was th- always thinking a lot, kind of independently. I oh, I really was an analyzer. I would spend a lot of time thinking about things, and it was hard to make a decision. Sometimes I would just really overthink things, and so uh, that was something that would be pointed out to me as well. Like you're you're overanalyzing the situation. You're thinking too much about it. And so I remember being kind of like driven crazy by this overthinking in my head, like, "Ah, oh, there's just so many thoughts, what am I gonna? How do I just you know make them make them ease up um, And then I would say kind of the 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 big episode for lack of a better word when I knew when OCD really became on everybody's radar was when I was going off to college, and a few weeks before I was getting ready to go to college, I was going to go to school way across the country. So I was excited about it. And I think there was probably also a, a level of, you know, anticipation and apprehension because I'm leaving my family and everything I knew. And so that figured in, I'm sure. But those those weeks before I left, I remember having a a, a this graphic vision in my head of myself dead in a in a kind of a violent way. And it popped into my head out of nowhere. And I remember thinking, okay, that's weird. And it left, you know, I I thought I made it go away. And then later that night, and this I remember distinctly, it came back. But it's almost like I may have brought it back. You know, was it something that like, Something in my brain that said, Oh, remember that weird thought you had earlier? What was that? And like, I brought it in, which sounds really wild, but in the course of our conversations at our work, it doesn't really. And from then on, that thought didn't leave me. That vision, it was just this very vivid vision of me, you know, dying or dead and It was obviously extremely disturbing, extremely scary, the opposite of anything I would ever want to be seeing in my head or thinking about. And that really began this cycle of, I've got this, I've got this thing now. I've got this thought. It's in my head. It's not going anywhere. It's staying. It's with me always. And then all the thoughts that went with that what does it mean why am i having this thought um why why would i think such a horrible disturbing thing is it something i really believe i don't think i believe this but why am i having it if i don't believe it all of that all of that just piled on piled on and i went to college and you know despite having this heavy <laughs> heavy thought and this this thing i really felt like was occupying all my brain space i went to college i went off for my freshman year and i you know was in a dorm and i had friends and i joined a sorority and i did all this and i had what felt like this like tumor in my head like i it really felt like this thought tumor for lack of a better word that took up physical space almost so i was living what felt like a fake life because you know i'm out there doing things but yet, I always felt like, but I've got this secret. I've got this thing that I'm hiding, and I can't explain, and I can't explain to myself. And so, it really felt strange. It felt like I was living sort of a superficial existence, and that led to depression. You know, I, there was times I didn't want to get out of bed. I was, I, I couldn't explain what was happening. I couldn't get rid of this thought. It was bothering me, and. Of course, the shame the, that starts to come with it because you're embarrassed. You don't, you don't understand why you have it. How can you possibly talk about it with anybody? And I'm sure anybody's listening to this who's had OCD or knows somebody, it, they can understand that shame part of it's just, it's, it feels so abhorrent and so secret and just something you've got to hide. Um, So by the time I got done with my freshman year, I was kind of in a bad state and my parents knew something was wrong. You know, they were, they were concerned. And I came home and they wondered if I should transfer schools to somewhere closer because my grades weren't great. (laughs) Things were (laughs) something had to give. And, uh, and they took me to see a psychiatrist. And, um, that was kind of what I would say early days of diagnosing OCD. That was mid eighties. And, uh, I went to see a psychiatrist, and he had me do a Rorschach inkblot test and and personality <laughs> st- all that all that old stuff. And uh, he said, "You have obsessive compulsive disorder." And I said, "What is that?" And that was kind of the beginning of learning what this thing was that I had been dealing with.
0: So before that, in college, it, you when this thought was coming up, you just thought, "What?" Like it you were different. It, you knew there was something kind of wrong. It was strange. It was maybe a premonition. Maybe it wasn't, you don't know, but it never really like, it, it, did you even know what OCD was at all at that point? No. no, 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 I'd never heard of it. So that kind of makes it harder. Yeah. I would think, I mean, it's like, <laughs> you, you couldn't, you know, just lean on like, oh, that's my OCD. <laughs> you know what I right. mean? It's like, what the heck is this?
1: Right. Exactly. And that's why I'm saying I think it was kind of early days, because nowadays, thankfully, there's so much information about things like this that people can can find out. Um, But back then, um, you know, there was nothing. And in fact, after I got the diagnosis, he prescribed this new drug called Prozac. It was new on the market. And so I always tell people I was the first person who took Prozac, but, uh, so that was new. And I remember going back to college and going to the library and going to see if there's books on OCD. And I may have found one and it may have been kind of technical. It wasn't anything like today, but, uh, Yes, back before I knew I, this thing had a name, i I didn't know what it was. i I didn't think like I was crazy, but I had no idea why this thought w- wouldn't leave me, why it was just stuck, and why it was this particular thought.
0: yeah, I think it's so interesting, too, that you remember and think even today to include it, and it's like part of the story that thought that came along with it that's like, oh, I kind of brought it back. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And I I say Mm -hmm. that because I talk to a lot of people who have this and there's a flavor of that in it. Like like a feeling of, oh yeah, sometimes my mind just clears or the thought goes away. And then there, and this is only another thought, but there can be like a scanning for it. Like, where is it? I I can relate to this too from my days of anxiety. Like, where is it is it here is it you know is it still and then it's back because duh it's just we just thought about (laughs) it but then there's like a and this is all just another like all just thought but then there's another thought that's like oh why did I do that almost like a like Uh a you have a control here like a ownership piece or like a meaning put on that right like why did I look for it again and I think right. that, right. oh my God, it just digs it into this really messy hole. And all the while, all those are just single little thoughts popping up. But when when we're just swimming in that sea of thought, it looks so meaningful. And I think there's something in that that makes it feel really sticky and personal and different.
1: Oh, oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. And I've, what was I calling it? a The, the scariest security blanket or something, you know, like this... That's the one thing I I I reflect on, like, wow, what what was was that? Just a fear, just a fear based something that made me want to, you know, or not even made me want to. I don't know why. I don't know why it happened. Just as you said, but it feels like ah, oh, there we have some we have some stay in this, and we're we're bringing it back. And
0: so, yeah, absolutely. It's almost like when when you're thinking the thoughts. There, even though you don't want them there, there is a sense of like, okay, I'm in this. I, I, I don't know. I don't know if that resonates with you, but it did with me. As opposed to almost a worse feeling when, when it wasn't there, because mm. and all, because then there would just be a line of thinking that's like, where is it? When's it going to come back? Yeah. You know. So yeah. I, who knows? Sure yeah. It's everyone, yeah.
1: Well, but. I'll, I'll, I'll continue a little bit on that line yeah. because. um what I noticed after that, so after I started taking Prozac, and I really, I felt a difference after taking Prozac. I felt that those visions, whatever you want to call them, thoughts, they did dissipate. And obviously, I was delighted about that. However, I I didn't feel great again. It, it wasn't like Oh, they're gone, and now I'm back to the way I was before I had them. It it, I, I distinctly remember thinking like, when oh th- I'm going to take this drug, and it will clear them all away, and that will be the end of this, and well, just a bad dream. And it didn't happen like that. I I remember taking it, and I remember feeling noticing that those thoughts were no longer with me, but I still felt this insecurity, this sort of like unsteadiness in me kind of like what you're saying like are you still kind of searching for something there was this level of of insecurity that I felt and I couldn't put a finger on because now I that thought wasn't there but I was still not feeling like connected to people and feeling that I was present and feeling um that I was really in the moment, or I felt still kind of in my head, even though there wasn't something to attach to, if that makes sense.
0: So what do you make of that, if anything? I mean, I'm curious if that's just, uh, if that was the effect of the Prozac on you, maybe? Or just, I don't know, maybe you just, you know, your mind had some thoughts at that time about how you should feel now that this thought is gone. Because that looks like the Holy Grail, right? When this thought goes away, I'll be great. And then maybe you just naturally weren't for whatever reason. Right. That becomes the new obsession.
1: (laughs) Right. And I I mean, it's funny. I, I don't know what I make of it. I sometimes think, oh, well, there was something deeper there. You know, there may have been this, this, these feelings of um, fear of, of being away out of my comfort zone, being away from family. And maybe that was something that I was experiencing on a deeper level than I could identify. And maybe my brain wasn't sure what to what to do with all that and had some, some, uh, some fear around that. So the way I sometimes look at that is, oh, okay, even though that thought went away there was still some feeling of discomfort that we talk about right you know kind of being in, the, in that discomfort and I remember still having this feeling of angst like underlying angst and I think that was just some level of discomfort that I wasn't seeing
0: yeah so maybe um, so how <laughs> did it yeah so how did it go from there did you did the did you stay on the Prozac and then did that Stop the obsessive thoughts for quite a while or like kind of where did it go from there?
1: Yeah, it did. I stayed on Prozac, gosh, probably for six years. So throughout college and then after college, I was living in New York City then. And I remember it kind of just ran its course. I think for a lot of people, medication can do that where they get to this sort of like period of <clears throat> fatigue where they don't want to take it for whatever reason. That's how it was with me. And I was still... I started seeing some other psychiatrists, but just nothing really, I don't know. I think kind of that image of psychiatrist sitting there listening and just listening to people talk and talk and talk and talk. That's how it was for me. And I didn't feel I was getting anywhere because I didn't know what I was talking about. I didn't know what I was supposed to be, <laughs> you know? I didn't know what we were looking for. So I just felt like, I don't, this doesn't seem to be doing anything. And I, I, So I stopped taking that. And yes, those visions did stay away. Um, They didn't come back. Like you said, there may have been some fishing around for them once in a while, just to test like, oh, wait, that thought I used to have, where's that now? You know, what what if that comes back and will it stay? And so time to time, maybe it would, but not long. And so I... I saw a few psychiatrists, I would kind of, you know, dabble in this and that, I would see a counselor. You know, meanwhile I I I got a great job. I was working in book publishing. I was living in New York City. I, you know, life was life was going on and um I what I noticed though is that things felt different for me in the sense that I became very preoccupied with um like friendships and relationships and um, that ten- that seemed to grow over time. I mean, be- before I get to that part, I will say that I I always felt like I was walking on eggshells. Like there was this something was going to give, something was going to break. There was, you know, once you maybe have have a experience where you have this disturbing image, you kind of start not trusting things a little bit. Like, well, what I got to be careful, you know? Like <laughs> the mind then starts like looking at, well, we got to be careful. We don't want to. Bring something else in or, you know, I just remember feeling a little tentative in general. I can't even put an exact finger on it. It was just this feeling of, um, again, not feeling superficial on some level um, in life. And again, I, I over the years, I saw it start to manifest more in... In my interactions with people and being very sensitive to dynamics in a relationship, whether that was a romantic relationship or a familial relationship, a friendship, whether that was at work, that kind of became the focus then of, of what people continued to call my, my obsessions that they now were focused on um, making a mistake doing something wrong, saying something wrong, um, not being liked, getting conflict, getting into conflict, all this became a big deal to me. And so I was constantly monitoring relationships. I was constantly checking for, did I say something wrong? What if I offended that person? What if I've damaged this relationship? What if In the future, if I see this person, this will happen. And my mind would play out this huge, crazy scenario. What's going to happen to the point where I wouldn't even want to see that person for fear of what would happen? And so that became a big focus of kind of my, of these obsessive, repetitive uh, thoughts, whatever you want to call them. And I would ruminate, ruminate, ruminate on this stuff for days. You know, somebody would say something to me and I would I would just play it over for days in my head, trying to figure out the meaning of, of, of that.
0: And did you see at the time that that was more of the same, that this had just morphed or did that look different?
1: I wasn't sure. I didn't know because it was a different flavor. Yeah. Uh, before I had this very disturbing graphic image that I was terrified of. And now this was like, I was still really anxious about these interactions, but it was maybe with a friend. So it felt different, right? It wasn't a terrifying image. It was a potentially terrifying interaction. So it did feel a little different.
0: It's so interesting. I was thinking before we started talking about how in many ways, like a a real kind of textbook obsessive thought, like you're one about dying, is so obvious and clear once we know, once we have some sense of like, yeah, the mind will just spit things out. I mean, it's so obvious and easy to spot that. And in a sense, like, again, I'm not saying that our, that we're logical, but when we just apply logic to it now, it's like, oh, that's the thought that keeps popping back up. Obviously, like that's just a thing that happens on repeat. It seems like it'd be so clear to see. right? Versus all the other ways that our mind throws thoughts out and passes them off as truth that we don't even notice. Like all the more sneaky ways that, you know, that we're constantly seeing life through thought and we think we're not. We think we're seeing life as life. So when you share it that way, it's like it, it kind of, it went for the big guns and this big, scary, obsessive thought. That one in a sense was, you know, you had psychiatrists and people say, look, this is what this is. It's okay. Maybe on some level you started to see through that. It went away also with the medication. But then it's like the mind is still doing the same thing, but now it's just going to come in a different door and it's going to be a little sneakier. And it's just so like, (laughs) I hate to make it like sound like a scary, sneaky thing, but it's like, it's brilliant in, in its attempts to always keep us kind of listening to it. So that's just really clear in your story because here you are, right? Like early adulthood it's easy to look around and be like well yeah relationships are the biggest thing in my life right now so right easy for it to look normal but then there's still that pattern happening
1: right exactly and now I that's how I that's how I can reflect on it I can see the difference and how it kind of just took took on a new form like oh or or maybe you didn't see it enough here so let's come over here and kind of rattle some cages over here so that's what that's what happened and that that really started to take, you know, and then I went and I lived abroad for a period of time and those times seemed great. You know, I was having a great time and living in another country and having really different experiences. And I don't remember having a lot of heavy thinking at that time. I moved back in the early two thousands and, um, to the US. And I remember making a decision to move back to California where I was from. And this was going to be a big move because I hadn't lived there since leaving for college. And so this was kind of like, wow, all these years have gone by. What's this going to be like? And family and all that. And when I got back, I, um, that's when I really noticed, I think this relation stuff, shit stuff really kick up more. And it kind of makes sense because I was now back in relationships from my past and seeing being with family and and friends and all that. And I decided to go see, it got to the point where I was really, really stressed around relationships and really, really worked up about having, you know, offending somebody or having them dislike me or fearing I'd say something against somebody. And I decided it was time to go see somebody again because it had been a number of years since I'd seen a professional. And I decided to see a psychologist who who was experienced in OCD. And I kind of searched around for the right one. And I found one who I really liked. And that was the first time. Um, and, and she focused on OCD. She had had experience working with people with it. And so, a lot of what we talked about was seen through the lens of that, seen through the lens of OCD. We would talk about, you know, a relationship I was in, and I wasn't sure if it was the right one or not. And we would talk about the doubt, right? The doubt that comes with OCD. And so, a lot of the conversation, a lot of what I was experiencing, we would talk about through this lens. And sometimes it felt really clear and sometimes it didn't. Sometimes it didn't feel like, I don't know if this is OCD. I don't really know if this, this again, could just be doubt I'm feeling in general. I don't know if this particular relationship was right or whatever it was. And so that, that stuck out to me. And it was also, she would also talk about, I really, really liked her. And she would also talk about occasionally things like, well, what if you just imagine you're when when you are looking for certainty, when your brain wants certainty and it's trying to find the answer and you're analyzing in your head and you know, going through all that? And can you imagine you're sitting next to a guy, like in a car, like you're going on a car ride with someone, and you're sitting next to the surfer dude who's just really chilled out, doesn't really care about anything, and you're trying to ask him questions like well, you know, should i should I do that or should I not? What do you think? what 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 do you think will happen if I don't do it? And imagine him saying, "I don't know. I don't know." <laughs> 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 and I really remember that, like that looking at what if you ask somebody something? I always thought that was a really kind of interesting and and playful way to. For people looking for reassurance or certainty, what if you just had a friend like that who wasn't giving it to you? Yeah. And I remember my brain not liking that much, you know, saying, well, "What? That doesn't work. That doesn't help at all." But that was kind of a little crack, right? A little bit of crack in this solid thinking I had. And another one, she said, and at the time, I, I saw these in a in a kind of a limited way, and I'll explain that, but. Another thing she said to me that I remember, again, in hindsight was, well, what if you could ask yourself, I wonder what the next thought is that I'll have? I wonder what that next thought is I'll have. And so those to me were little glimpses at this idea of like, I don't know what thoughts are going to come up. I, 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 it's not not in my control. And and then we'd kind of go back and you know we'd get into why issue and the ocd and whatever thing i was going through at the moment but looking back like those were little moments i think of of what i now see as kind of everything mm-hmm. and there those are little that was the beginning of like a breadcrumb trail that was that was being laid and um so that was that was that period and Then I, I think like with medication, I kind of got to a point with therapy where I felt like, you know, I've I've talked a lot about this stuff. I'm kind of tired of talking about it. And I feel like I'm just going to go be on my own. You know, no, 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 no professional help. I'm just going to, I wasn't taking any medication then. I was on and off stuff just for a little, little, a little while, little stints, but nothing. I didn't stay on anything long. and I. I was collecting a lot of books and doing a lot of, you know, work at home. I had all these OCD workbooks and, um, you know, I loved that. It was interesting to me. I was fascinated by this. I was fascinated by the brain and all these things. And I, I had a a really good book. Uh, another breadcrumb I got was from a book called stopping the noise in your head by Dr. Reed Wilson. And He's a psychologist out of North Carolina. And this book I loved because his approach, uh, which you'll relate to, is this. he He has this approach of dealing with anxiety and OCD, which is the first thing to do is step back. When you notice you're having this disturbing thought or anxiety to step back and take a moment to assess if it's a signal or noise. Is it a signal like, oh, the dog's barking and I have to let the dog out or noise as in, oh, the dog's sitting there looking at me. I, you know, I should probably take it out or, you know, making it into something else. So he talks about determining what is signal and what is noise in your in your head. And then after you can do that, if it's noise, you know, there's a track for that. But if it's a signal, okay take the dog out. Great. You know, if it's noise, then. He kind of laid out this whole, the book is great. He he goes over these examples many times, but his idea was to then, you want to move forward. And the idea is knowing that you can handle this. And it's not about the content. It's not about jumping into your thought or your whatever your obsession is. It's just having this generic, I can handle whatever this feeling is that's happening. I can, I can, I can, handle this situation. And it's not the sensation, it's your reaction to the sensation. It's that pole instead of resisting it, it's okay, bring it on. I want this. Not only can I handle it, but I want it. And he gets this sort of warrior posture where it's like, okay, let's go, you know, and he has all these analogies he uses. And he talks about a guy that was, you know, had a problem with like his clothes and he couldn't Yeah, it was constantly his, for some reason, his closet was his thing and he couldn't get through the day without rearranging his closet or something. So he would like open my closet and be like, all right, let's go. Like, let's, (laughs) this is where I feel all this panic and tension and anxiety. So I'm just going to be with it all. And so again, that was another little glimpse into getting, getting away from the content, getting away from the theme, whatever that thought is telling us and knowing, okay, I can handle this. We can handle this anxiety. That's at this feeling that's underneath it all. Mm -hmm. And not only that, but we want it. What if we like kind of meet, meet anxiety strength with our own strength by saying, okay, you're coming like this, I'm going to meet you. Not only can I handle this, but I want it. So give me more. And so that was his approach. And I remember coming out of a meeting with my boss and being all worked up and being like, I want this, I want all this, you know? (laughs) So again, that was another helpful insight. And it was kind of moving me a little bit. Um, It was still in the OCD world, but it was the first time I really heard this. It's don't go it's not about the thought like it's really not about the thought it's don't it's not about that content that is a thought that pops up it is random
0: i love that i, lo- well, I love why so much in that i mean what you just said all of that is is just yes like revealing that you're having a thought about a relationship or something. It's not a relationship issue; it's a thought issue. <laughs> and then when it's a thought issue, or it's not a "you might end up dead someday" issue, it's a thought. It's a thought. That's all it is, right? And then, and even then, kind of coming into the feeling of it, and and because naturally, there's just so much resistance that shows up. So to flip that on its head and say, "Hey, I want this feeling. I want to see that I can feel it." it just Everything about that is really cool. And I just love like in what you're sharing too, how you you were seeing these glimpses that these little breadcrumbs that you're following that really just kind of was breaking this open to such a, a bigger way of seeing things.
1: Right, right, right. And so exactly. And again, I, I see this more clearly now. Um, and... I know I've talked a lot, <laughs> so feel free to jump in with more comments. Uh, I just think about, you know, you, you you think about your own journey and kind of the steps you take or how it goes. After that kind I'm kind of leading up to how I came across you. And uh, one other breadcrumb I had was this, um, another book I picked up called How to Do the Work. Um, by Dr. Nicola Perra. And that that was the first book that really um showed me that talked about the holistic, um, like our holistic health. So mind, body, spirit in relation to anxiety or any any problem we're having, and how to really start considering the role of the body and how the the body keeps score, how it holds on to. To trauma and you know, energy and things from the past. And that was another thing that it was wasn't an OCD book. It didn't, it had there's no OCD in the title. And but I really got what she said. And she said something in that book that talked about how when she had her own um, she had her own kind of like panic experience when she was young, and she remembers her parents fighting her, she was reacting to something they were doing. And she would, uh, what she called, get on her spaceship. She would kind of mentally check out and she would just be gone. And I was like, that's how I felt. Like I was on a spaceship, like I was in my head. So this whole idea of going into your body, I'd never been in my body. I was always only in my head because the nature of these thoughts, of these scary thoughts, kind of keeps you up there. You know, you don't think about, oh, I wonder how I'm feeling in my body now. No. Um, and that was very enlightening. And that got me into this practice of, okay, can we use the senses to stay grounded in the moment? You know, um, she, she goes through practices you can do daily, things you can do to start trusting yourself again. Look at belief patterns you developed when you were young. If you want to go and explore those to see where you are now and dismantle some of those. So that book was also very eye opening and. I loved it because I started thinking, "Wait, this is, not, this is not an OCD book, and a lot of this is speaking to me." Yeah. And especially the part about the body, because I was, had been experiencing so much neck and shoulder tension that was coming out of my stress, from worrying about an interaction with somebody, it would really play out in all this pain. And that gave me an opportunity to start looking at that pain and kind of sitting with that. So that was. That was another
0: sort of, huh? <laughs> Let's look at that. <laughs> it keeps expanding, bigger and bigger. Yeah. I love that. So, um, so take us up to kind of present day-ish, or at least the last couple years, I guess. Um, kind of how it is now, and then like what? I know you're gonna we're gonna talk about your course that you developed for people with this, but it sounds like just maybe this is just because we're talking about kind of your path through it. Um, you know, you've lived this, obviously, you've you've seen so many things along the way. I'm curious, like, kind of what, how it looks to you now in terms of supporting other people, if it's just kind of a, a combination of the things that have helped you over the years or what that is. But first, let's talk about kind of how it is for you now. Like, do, do you still notice these patterns come up? but you see them and feel them faster? Do they kind of not come up or like, wh- where is that?
1: I would say accommodation of all those, you know, um, I felt a level of calmness in my brain, that chatter, that nonstop chatter that I felt like I had my entire life. I felt that quiet down to a level I have never had after going through the, the um, change coach course with you. And that was... Just mind-boggling. I couldn't, that was such a to have your, your mind get quiet after it being so loud was just, I couldn't stop reflecting on that. It it was, it was amazing. And that was a deep shift I felt. Um, was noticing really that chatter just kind of really quiet down. And And my whole being quieted down. Everything quieted down in me. I just, that low-level anxiety that felt like it was always running in the background, that just really kind of settled so much. And I started seeing how more relaxed I was with situations, things that I would feel previously urgent around or, you know, very worried about, that was just not as strong. Those feelings were not as strong. And as for some and and what it really did, though, I'm not gonna lie and say that was it. you know, that was it was a huge awakening, and everything changed. but it it this whole conversation has really opened my eyes to exploring all of this. So when I see some of these patterns come back, I'm not talking specifically about a, like a, a, a vision like I had or something like that. It's more when I get worked up about something or I'm going to do something and I start to get worried about it. I can, I can look at it now. I can, I can, I don't always catch it, but, but there's often times when I say, okay, well, okay, what's going on? What are you, what are you feeling? And can that be safe? Can that scary feeling you think is scary? Can it be safe? what if it's safe? And, and this being in the, being in the present moment and realizing like I'll walk my cat and I'll be in my head for a while. And then I'll look at my cat and be like, Oh, it's just like, it's just me and my cat walking right now. That's all that's happening. That's all that's happening right now. Everything else is non-existent. And moments like that, that I see now more. Um, so all these breadcrumbs that I was Kind of seeing along the way really came together in a way when I went through the program with you and was able just to see how thought arises. It's random. We don't control what comes and goes and that we are safe, that these thoughts are not personal, that they don't have meaning. All of this is so true for OCD, especially where everything's personal, everything has meaning and you don't want it, you know? So, it really broke open so much of that. And being in conversation with so many other people who are struggling with so many different things, whether that's, you know, an, an eating disorder or a depression or, or, or a relationship or breakup and seeing the similar patterns come up really helped me open open up to this whole idea of, wow, this is how a mind works. And what if this is how a mind really works? and we've mistaken it, and who we are beyond thought, that was just like, whoa, whoa.
0: I love how you describe that, because I find that too. I mean, and it starts, obviously, we do a ton of that in the coach training, but like your whole life now, if you're working as a coach, or even just seeing people on TV or out in the street or whatever, it's like, you can't help but just start to see a pattern at play, rather than, oh, there's Mary Beth who has terrible depression. There's Joe Smith who has terrible anxiety. No, it's like it, you see it in a deeper way. And then of course that extends to us. And so that's that's awesome. That really is such yes. a huge perspective shift.
1: Yes, yeah. And again, everything had always been through this OCD lens. Everything was always... I've got this. This is how I see it. How do I get rid of it? I want to be back to the way I was. And that was the big joke in the end. That was another huge insight I had was I was always wanting to get back to the way I was. And I've heard other people talk about this, not just in relation to OCD and a lot of different things. And I was totally there. Life was great when, you know, when I was 18 right before I had this episode. And it was just this false, false hope that you're going to get back there. There's something to get back to. And God, that was just about the biggest relief I could ever feel when I saw that. I There's nothing to get back to. I didn't go anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't disappear. And then yeah. I've always been here. Whatever I am, the version, the, the, the energy, the love, the wisdom, everything we talk about, it it was just covered up. And and that was like, oh my God! I there was a, always an urgency of I have to get back to the way I was. That's when I was happiest. That was the best time. That's when I was truly myself. And I laugh at that now. I'm like, well, I'm, I feel like I'm happy and you know, and I'm myself. Or, and nothing changed. Nothing changed. I just see it differently. That's it.
0: Yeah. That's so huge. So huge. I love that. So tell us a little bit about your course, like what you share in it, and then also kind of how it's structured and who it's for.
1: Sure. So I'm excited about this course. I I had an early iteration of a course I wanted to do last year and I, or no, maybe it was two years ago. And I, I wasn't really thrilled. I always wanted to share things I was learning along the way with people and help people in the OCD world because I've seen so much suffering so much there's a lot of pain um a lot of families that are really really affected and so I've always felt if there's anything I can share to help people in that I it would it would make me really happy if if they could see anything so I put together a course based on some early things I saw but I, I wasn't super convinced of of the the lasting nature of them there were some good strategies or techniques but I wasn't I wasn't really sold on the material material, I guess, and so it was kind of serendipitous when I when I went through your coaching program because after I went through that, I felt like, oh wow, now I really feel like I've got something I can I can share that I really feel will, will benefit people. So I I created this course, the OCD Peace Plan, Finding Quiet in a Busy Mind, and for people with OCD would also benefit people with anxiety. And as we talk about, you know, pretty much everything, because the understanding is the same. Mm -hmm. And but I share a lot of my personal experiences, some of the ones I shared today. Um, And I think it's just to help those who are suffering understand that there's someone out there who does understand what it's like, and has some insight on the way things can look differently. And that's really what I want to in part to people, I would love to help cure anybody who has any sort of OCB problem, but I'm not going to pretend I can do that, so if I can help them see even the smallest thing differently, the fact that they're not those thoughts that they have that as scary as they are they they aren't they don't say anything about them, and that's very hard concept to get when you're terrified of a thought you're having so um talking about the nature of thought and and how they come out of nowhere and the idea that if 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 we could put thoughts in our head why would we put these scary disturbing thoughts like why, why would we choose those of all things so some going through some of that and i loved going through the 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 little school big change. So I kind of follow that model of how you lay things out and tailor it more towards OCD and make it more OCD specific. I have a basic framework that I based it around with five tenets. The first is uh, test it, the second is see it, then trust it, then feel it, then live it. And that's how I kind of structured this whole course and how to look at this, testing it, looking at, let's test these assumptions we have about our OCD and our thoughts and the solidity and the permanency of them. Let's look at that. Or is that really true? Why did I feel that I only had one thought for a year and a half? Mm-hmm. Is, that, is that even possible? You know. So looking at what we believe about these thoughts we have, and And putting those through the test, that's you know you're getting curious and 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 questioning questioning the nature of thought. The next one is the see it, and that's going through understanding the mind and the and the mechanical nature of the mind and understanding the evolutionary nature of it and seeing what if this is how this exists and the mind that's wanting to protect us and create patterns and habits, and could this be another way of looking at OCD and these spots, you know, that they were. Our mind was trying to protect us. You know, it's a safety measure. And then the trusting it, trusting that there's something beyond who we are, the me identified person. What if these thoughts aren't there running in our lives? What's beyond that? So beginning to trust there's something greater than this body and and this identified me out there. Feel it, getting into what's it like to actually little by little, little experience some of these this, these tense feelings within us. And then uh, living it is really, I tie it all together and go through some graphics to help show the difference between a typical OCD thought pattern versus a different way of looking at it based on all these tenets. So that's how I've structured the course.
0: I love that. I don't think I've ever heard the five. I've, I, I've heard about the course and seen little bits, but I love that, how it all really builds. And it. it's like this, this, Whatever this is that we share, this understanding that we're sharing, I feel like it's transmitted on so many different levels. And it's like just what you just described really speaks to the logic of it. And it kind of just builds it out little by little. Like, hey, what if this is true? Hey, what if that's true? And that's what I try to do in the Little School Big Change a bit too. And that's awesome. And then, but then there's also like people just being able to watch you on video in a sense, you might not feel like this, but you're almost like that surfer dude, probably for many people now, where you're like, hey, okay, I've been there. I lived through it too. You know, like there's an energy that's transmitted and, you know, it, it's, it's just like on so many different levels. But when you talk about it being set up like that to kind of logically unravel things, and then we know they're going to be getting this energetic unraveling in a sense and support and all of that. It just, that sounds amazing.
1: Oh, well, thank you. I I am interspersing it with um, some coaching. So there's the video uh, lessons that individuals will get, but it's really important, as you know, to kind of get in front of people, especially if they're new to this sort of material or thinking, there's going to be a lot of questions. So I definitely want to be there to shepherd people through this. And so I'm going to be doing two group coaching, and then everybody gets an individual session. And that's really just to support them and, and answer questions and help them um, kind of through whatever it is there, wherever they are. Um, I'll just say one other thing. I I did an earlier iteration of this course with some people and, and I had one woman Participate and it was so interesting because again, as our minds tell us, we have our stories and my story one of them is, you know, I've got to, I've got to create the greatest thing. It's got to be the greatest and I've got to, you know, cure this person and it's all on me and all that. And, um, I'll never forget one of the coaching sessions I had with her. She said to me, you know, I said, well, like what modules you like the best and let's get down to the lessons and where you learn the most and her. Feedback was just being able to talk to somebody who could understand what I was going through because in her world, and she lives in another country, she doesn't have that. She didn't have people who really accepted her experience. And, and, and I was floored, you know, I was so floored. And I was just like, literally it just, Oh, it warmed my heart. And I just felt like, Oh my gosh, I'm just so happy. I could be that for her. So it's, it's not even always about, well, of course, what we think it's going to be about. This woman needed someone who could actually just relate to her and say, "It's yeah, I, I get what you're going through. It's I, That's, yes, that's, it feels very real and scary. And, and that was so happy about that, that I could, it's not always what, how we think we're helping somebody. And we talk about that in our, in our classes and stuff, Amy, that it's, it's we never we never really know how somebody may, what they may come away with, how they may kind of be helped for a lack of better word. and And I was happy that that I could be that for her,
0: yeah, I love that. We can never know. And yet there's some way that it happens so often. Like, you know, like we just saw this at our life gathering we had where it's like we had really no structure even for that. Yeah, was, and somehow, in the sharing, in people just being open and listening and sharing, so many people got what they needed, and it'll be the same thing in this course. It's the same thing everywhere. It's like, yeah, you just kind of open and point in a direction, and even just sharing your insights, not just sharing, but sharing your insights, those specifically might not even really land with anybody, with somebody as like super important, but it's something in that that's like, oh, well, but what do I see? Do you know, yeah. like, oh, that's yeah. what Samantha saw. Okay, but, and when I don't think we're consciously asking this, but on some level, it's like, okay, yeah. that was her big breadcrumb. What's my big breadcrumb? And there's just something right. beautiful and mysterious in that whole process.
1: Right, exactly. I love that. And it's also just for me and probably everybody, it's a, just another opportunity to, to see how your, how your story plays out. Like, oh, okay, yeah, again, I see that now. I thought that, and so I... I love those moments because it's kind of another like, not what you thought. <laughs> Again, not what you thought.
0: So, Which is so, everything we're talking about here. <laughs> it's it's
1: actually everything. Yes, exactly. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. And, um, and it will um, be open through the 31st of August. People can sign up and they can go to my website, the samanthaspark.com and, um, get information there they can email me um, as well I'll give you all that information so um, I'm again I'm just really excited to answer questions and and be there for people in any way that I can that's that's really my goal <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's awesome. it I'm gonna try to not think beyond that
0: that's perfect and I'll so I'll share the link and if people are listening to this like into September, October, what should they do? Like, should they just get on your newsletter list or just reach out to you to see? Because you'll, you'll probably run later courses if people are interested.
1: Yes, I don't actually have a newsletter yet, but I have an email they can email me and tell me they're interested. And I may add like a, a wait list button to my website or something like that, but I'll make it clear so people have a have a path
0: to follow. Okay, awesome. I love it. Well, I hope the course, I hope people who are listening, check this out because it sounds amazing. And I just think this conversation was so good. I mean, this was a, this was a mini course. We kind of (laughs) really went through everything from start (laughs) to finish, but it's
1: so good. I give you a lot.
0: (laughs) No, it's so good. Thank you so much, Samantha. I love it.
1: Thank thank you for having me. I love talking to you. Thank you. Thank you.
0: The fall 2023 Little School of Big Change class begins in two weeks on September 11th. 95% of LSBC grads say that what they learned in this course put them on the path to lasting change. We're so confident in that that we offer a money back guarantee so you have nothing to lose. Head over to the to enroll now. It's going to be an amazing six weeks full of insights and lasting change for all of us. I really hope to see you there.